Create with France Sydney. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. This is France Sydney and this is Create with France. We are on episode 168 and today we are going to talk about emotional eating. On the way up to Christmas we are all worried about putting back all the weight that we try to shed for the past nine months. And what happens is we're terrified about October and November leading up to Christmas. We're starting the parties, they're earlier and earlier, the food is there and it's so impossible. And all your work will go away. Why? Because we can't control ourselves, because sugar is addictive, just like cocaine and heroin. But why? Why do we keep eating? What are the deeply rooted reasons why we cannot control the eating and then we go on diet? You know what? Diets don't work. Let's talk about it with my friend and our guest today, Annabella Zidar. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Franz. So let's start with a few nice questions. I'm just going to make my little video smaller so I can see everything. So Annabella has been talking to me a lot about food and, and she talked to me about her childhood when she was already on a diet. When she was a child, I was just reading and I was like, How, how could it be? So please tell me, what, what are the pain points of this emotional eating? How does that work exactly? Because a lot of people won't even know that they are suffering with emotional eating. So how did we start for you? So for, so for me, um, I was 10 years old when I was put on my first diet. And um, I wasn't even overweight. This was actually um, back in the, in the 70s um, when kids weren't particularly overweight generally. Um, but the school, school nurse uh, came and weighed us all. And because I developed earlier, I was taller. And I weighed more because I was taller. Um, and so I didn't fit neatly onto her little graph. And so a letter went home to my mum. I'm too heavy. I need to go on a diet. And I was put on a diet. And I remember sitting with my mum uh, with a little plate with some rivita and cottage cheese and some celery. And uh, it, was, it was pretty awful because I'd go to school, my friends were eating their kind of you know, nice sandwiches and some cakes and sweets and things. And I, I couldn't eat those. And um, it really, I, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but looking back, it really affected my self-worth because I felt, I felt that I was judged on my appearance. Um, and it led to decades of dieting. Mm. See, the, the feelings that we put together when we are younger, it's very simple, isn't it? Black and white for us, yeah. it's not very clear. So, oh, I'm on a diet, there must be something wrong with me. There's something wrong with food, what's going on? And yet you needed the food so much because you were actually growing. So you needed the strength of that height. Oh, sorry, guys, I'm gesticulating. You can't really see how much emphasis I'm putting on growing here. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how people viewed us, you know, in the past, all this, this idea that they had? And, and this belief, we, we keep it. We just treasure it. Isn't that incredible? How is the self-worth connected to food? So in terms of our self-worth, when we are overeating or we're emotional eating or we have any food addiction, we are attempting to fill some emotional void within us. And this is what drives me crazy about diets. And you hear people, whether it's government ministers or personal trainers saying, all you have to do is move more, eat less. You know, it's as simple as that. And it's just, yes, caloric intake and having a deficit 
is important, but it's not sustainable long, time, long term, you know? Not when you've got an underlying pain point where you don't feel good enough. You don't feel good enough, so you eat more food to fill that emotional void within you. Um, but unfortunately, you can't, can you? Because um, you're using food, and food isn't therapy, and food isn't counselling. Food is a way that we nourish our bodies, you know? So we never fill that hole within us. Um, we have to heal that lack of self-worth um, that we feel, that lack of, um, that lack of enoughness. Um, and then actually it's pretty simple to, to, to help with the emotional eating. Yes. And this feeling thing, you know, food fills you up. And isn't food also soothing when we numb ourselves, when we think, well, I deserve this. I've been treated so badly today. I've been ignored. Nobody appreciates me. So I'm going to have something sweet, something savory, something fulfilling that gives me a sensation. Think about it. We are worshipping what we feel in the mouth. It's the taste buds. We're worshipping the taste buds. But in the end of the day, we're not, aren't we? At the same time, we're thinking there's this deep-seated pain and we're doing something about this. And that's quick. But as soon as we eat, there's a point where we will know that that food is going to be stored somewhere in the body because there's no way we can exercise away excess food, you know, unless we're in the gym five hours a day, which is not really possible. And so where is the intuition coming in this effort that we're making to find the homeostasis and it's not coming? So why are we not listening to ourselves telling us, well, stop, stop? Well, I, my experience is that diets completely connect us from that, uh, disconnect us, sorry, from that intuition, you know, because when we're eating according to time or when we're eating according to whether we have expend, uh, taken in a certain amount of calories, when we're eating according to food groups and excluding certain ones, we're not listening actually to the signals that our body is always sending us. And actually something that I work very much with my clients on is reconnecting with the hunger and fullness signals and saying to them, look, give yourself permission to eat what you want, but on, but on a couple of conditions. And one of those conditions is you eat when you're physically hungry. And then you stop when you're kind of just before you're comfortably full, giving that time for your body to actually feel full. And if you can do that, and you can allow yourself that permission to intuitively eat what you actually want to eat, because actually your body isn't going to say, go and eat a burger or go and eat chocolate. I mean, it will say that because it wants you to release the dopamine and feel better, but actually it really wants you to eat good food. And if you listen to your body and you become an intuitive eater and you feel better about yourself, then you'll be led to eat foods that are actually going to nourish your body as opposed to harm your body. So, I mean, if I can explain a little bit of a difference between physical and emotional eating in terms of the, the feelings that we have, because, and it, it won't take long to explain, when we're physically hungry, it comes on gradually, you get that kind of, um, that hungry feeling, the growling in your tummy, you'll tend to eat anything that's around because you're hungry. So you might go to the fridge and you might eat a piece of cheese or some olives, or you might eat some crackers or a piece of fruit. And then you have that lovely feeling of satisfaction because you've 
eaten and you've you've um, and now you're full. So emotional eating comes on very quickly. So you might be sitting at your desk working on something that perhaps you you don't want to start a project. Um, perhaps a loved one or a, a colleague or a friend has upset you and you're feeling angry. Um, you might be feeling lonely or bored, but it comes on really, really quickly. And before you know it, you're at the fridge or you're in the cupboard and you're looking for those foods, those sugary foods or salty foods. I can, you don't know this, Franz is putting a thumbs up. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you want those foods. It's particular foods. So you might you might see other foods, but you're not attracted to those foods. So you eat those foods. And because you're trying to fill that emotional void within you, you keep eating and you keep eating. And that's why you might eat a packet of biscuits or you might eat a couple of cakes because you can't actually become full because you can't fill um, that emotional void within you with food. So um, when you realize the difference, actually, you can check in with yourself. So when you go to get that food, you can become more aware and like, ah, oh, actually, you know, am I physically hungry or am I emotionally eating? And I do have a question here because isn't that interesting that for a lot of, of um, let's say in a lot of cases, we want the crunchiness, we want the experience in the mouth. I mean, how many people that do emotional eating will sit there and have lettuce or a very bland food, a bit of oats or some rusk or some plain bran? They want, they're looking for something that there is like an experience in the mouth something tingling like it's a pleasure we're looking for its pleasure but we're also looking i mean i know chocolate is all right but ice cream is an exception but we do like the chewing part which i think because i've been working so long with anxiety the chewing just like in bubble gum and biting the nails and holding things helps to release some of the tension so it's more satisfying than just drinking a smoothie for example how many people have you seen that drink health smoothies all the time when they're emotional eaters they do like the biscuit and the other biscuits and and here that's the fault from industry i always say they go one day i'm gonna have a media shutting me down completely because i keep saying that because haven't you noticed when you pick up like a crack like the very famous um what we call the reads. I think you look at the quantity of just enough, just enough oil and sugar and salt. You keep having more. You can't have three or four biscuits. Nobody said we couldn't have three or four biscuits. That's fine. Have the biscuits, have a little bit of cheese, have a bit of hummus and a salad. Perfect. Mm. But you can't stop eating it. You just can't stop because... Yeah, I mean, there, there are scientists in labs working this out, you know, coming up with the perfect formula to make sure that those foods um, become addictive, that you can't stop. I mean, is it is it is it, is it Pringles that you can't you can't stop at one? Is that right? Possibly. I don't know, because I don't watch advertising. I don't actually watch TV, so I'm not exposed to this. But I do know that Pringles, for example, don't actually have much potato inside 
And it no. would be a lot no. easier just to bake a potato, put it in the fridge and have a slice with some freshly ground pepper and extra virgin olive oil. And that would be really healthy and satisfying and filling. One in the whole Pringle container, there might be a quarter of a potato, but the amount of other stuff we're eating, like palm oil, that isn't good. And comforting. Yeah. It's comfort food, yeah, the crunch and something. And we're not here pointing fingers because we can all fall into the habit of just eating by boredom. And then there's a sensation of guilt that we're putting on weight. So then we eat more because we can't do anything. And also there's a pain that I hear all the time from, well, but everybody seems to be very eager to get me to keep eating. So they keep giving me and I'm in a few forums where people are listening to hypnotic recording for that and they say I don't know I've been trying to stop smoking drinking eating whatever they all the free addictions but my husband keeps coming home with a box of chocolates mm-hmm. he we go to parties and everyone wants me to eat and to drink I can't say no so there is a societal pressure to do what other people are doing and it's so hard to say no because we want to fit in we want to be accepted we want to be like everyone else but in the you know at the same time we have this issue and so what was the part of the diet that is the worst thing when you are an emotional eater so what is that becomes really difficult after you are given maybe a nutritionist diet with all the details and everything. It's the restriction. It's it's restricting yourself. Um, either excluding certain foods, so you can't eat anything sugary, or you can't eat any chocolate, or any processed foods, or any um, or, or or any carbs, for example. Yeah. Um, And as soon as you say to yourself, I can't have something, your mind is like, oh, okay. Um, Well, I'm going to make you really want to have those foods because you're used to eating them and that's your familiar and that's what you have to keep doing. Um, And the problem is for an emotional eater or a binge eater, it's the worst thing. It's the worst thing because it will lead to a binge because you can only say no to those foods for a certain time. So you have that initial excitement, don't you, when you're on a diet? It's like, oh, I'm on a diet. This time it's really going to work. I'm really going to lose the weight this time. And then kind of gets into week two, and then you're going out and your friends are eating, and you're like, okay, this is a bit more difficult. And I really want to have an ice cream, and I really want to have a dessert, but I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to have it. My nutritionist has said not to have it. And, and then, you know, by week three, you've given in, you've demolished, um, you've demolished, a, you know, a big tub of ice cream or um, a couple of, you know, bags of chips or whatever. And then you feel bad, as you said, you know, you feel bad. And then you're like, you know what, I might as well just keep doing, uh, just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And isn't that true that when in society, we tend to point fingers and make assumptions that people are weak. But we are all we're all weak. We are human, so we have a tendency to do what is pleasurable, what is familiar, what is easy. Absolutely. I always think that if I didn't buy certain foods, you know, my life would be different. 
So what I do when I go shopping, I go shopping after eating lunch, mm-hmm. not when I'm hungry. Because <laughs> if I if I go when I'm hungry, I'm gonna pick up like the donuts or whatever. I'm just saying a name. I actually buy donuts like twice a year. Yeah. But uh, here's the thing: why do we have to demonize everything? In the end of the day, if you have a good diet with lots of fresh fruit, vegetables, nuts, beans, and whole grains, keeping the carbs not that high because I see so many problems come with the celiac disease on, on, on the high and you see people on the keto doing so well for a couple of months. There's a big debate on there. So you always think, you know, just have everything in moderation and trying to keep all the stuff that you need, you know, maybe a bit of education about nutrition is useful. But then don't say never have a dessert because mm. it's going to feel like I'm missing out or something. I mean, some people are like that. Like my grandfather, he would refuse any dessert. And he asked him, he, you know, he was a man of the 1930s. He didn't have any fads or diets. And, but he was like, no, I just don't like them, don't want them. And that was easy for him. But nowadays we have so much sugar. And I think the problem is sugar is in everything processed food that we buy. So it isn't just the ice cream, the cake, it's there, it's everywhere. So it's very easy to keep adding the ketchup and the sauce. Even I picked up sometimes, even abroad when I was in the States, when I was in other countries. I saw the ingredients on the, on the bottle, literally tomato sauce in Italy will have tomato, salt and basil. Then you go abroad and it's got like 20 ingredients and for sugar. So it's really hard to stop. I mean, they've got, I don't know how many it is in, in ketchup, but there will be teaspoonfuls in that ketchup, you know? Um, as you say, sugar is is prevalent. It's absolutely um, everywhere. But I think, you know, we have to stop, as you said, stop judging foods. Um, no one food is responsible for where somebody gets themselves in terms of their weight and their health. It is all about balance. And it is all allow, about allowing yourself you know, a, a sweet treat from time to time. But I actually say to my clients, it sounds counterintuitive, but I say, if you gave yourself permission to eat what you want to do eat, because um, they'll say, I-, I can't stop eating chocolate. Okay, but if you gave yourself permission to eat at lunchtime and then this evening, and then you could have some for breakfast tomorrow, and if you wanted, you could have some for lunch and dinner tomorrow, and then the next day, is that desire as strong now? And they're like, well, no, it's not. And it's like, okay, so if you say don't have it, where's the desire? It's strong. So, you know, give yourself permission to eat something, but pay attention to those signals that your body is giving you and don't make it the rule, make it the exception. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense, especially thinking about the science behind this, because if you have something every single day, eventually you're not going to savor it that much. But if your taste buds have not had it for a while, the flavor explodes in your mouth. There's something about the neurotransmitters and blah, 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 blah. We don't, we don't want to know all about this uh, Huberman lab stuff, but yeah, <laughs> it's much more intense. Yeah. And think about all these uh, connoisseurs. They have uh, the wine and they have their, their cup. I don't drink wine, but I know the smell of grapes, faintly, because I don't really have a sense of smell. But if you hold a cup with chalice under your nose and you, ah, you're there just feeling kind of all this, the bouquet, the stuff coming to you and, and you have an experience there that is coming all over your mouth. And then if you take a minute to do that for chocolate as well, this is science-based. It's not me just talking about chocolate because I'm a chocoholic. 
If you take some time and then have a small amount, it just works a lot better than just having chocolate bars, a kilo chocolate bar. Don't you get fed up? I mean, if you keep scratching the same area, eventually it's going to go numb, isn't it? Or it's going to bleed. So there is something there that can help us to really enjoy food for what it is. It's like fuel. It makes you makes you feel better. And there are things that we don't tend to cut out, like inflammatory oils, that are more damaging than just eating too much. So really, general education of what real food is, like go to the farmer and see how he's raising those animals that you're eating and see how he's growing the food sprayed by, you know, the farmer with pesticides. Can you find an organic one? That's health because you're having all these chemicals inside your body that are disrupting of your endocrine system as well. So there's so much thing. But, but instead of going through every single food, just go and say, right, I need to decrease my weight. And should I say lose? As lose is not very good when you want to find it. That's what Marisa Fier said. <laughs> lose yeah, you want, to, you want to release weight, shed weight, release. let go of weight. But don't say lose. Yeah. Do you know why you don't say lose? Yeah, we, we want to release because if you lose it, you're going to find it again. So that's what Marisa Pierce said. I stick to that. And we want to find a way to, to say, okay, I can eat this and I can eat that. And I don't want to eat this other food because it's not good for me. Because, you know, not everyone will react to the same food, you know. And um, I think after that, we'll become very intuitive. We'll realize some foods are making us feel not well for example i love cakes but i hardly ever have cake very very rare maybe twice a year three times a year it's like that too and um, a few months ago I went to cosmo which is a, a very fun restaurant i think it's nationwide here in england and you can buy um, all sorts of foods from like this japanese japanese chinese british italian indian you can really eat whatever and so good and so good uh, but the problem is that there is too much of it. And so usually by the time we get to dessert time, I don't have space for dessert. And we have all these desserts. So once I said, I'm going to have all the desserts first, and then I'm going to have my normal meal. And I ended up having the tiniest meal ever because I felt sick after eating the equivalent of maybe three slices of cake, normal cake. It was just too much. All the sugar just hit me really hard. So, uh, yeah, it, it's an experience for me. I'm not used to that, so it made me feel sick. So I'm sure that once we start eating intuitively, this equation changes. We realize, oh, that's how I feel when I eat fruit and vegetables and raw stuff and fresh, like a nice vegetable soup. And that's how I feel when I eat just cakes or high sugar stuff and Oh, that's how it is. And how do I want to feel? So then it becomes like, I want to feel this way. Or I want to feel the other way. Does that make sense to you? Totally. I think if you cook and you end up with a big pile of peelings next to you, when you cook with lots of vegetables and things like that, it's the most satisfying thing because you know you're producing something that is nourishing and nurturing for your body. Because your body actually loves you to eat that way. As you said, you know, you feel good when you eat those foods. And when you feel good when you eat those foods, you're much more likely to act in ways that serve you, that will, will allow you to have that health that you really desire. So you probably will move your body more. You'll probably self-care. 
um, it's 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 a it's a it's a circle. Once you're in it, is self perpetuating. You know. Um, I do think it's really important to stress awareness as to the emotion that's actually driving um, the the overeating and the emotional eating. And one thing I ask my clients to do is to keep um, a track of when they emotionally eat. So they might do it for 48 hours, they might do it for 72 hours, they might have to do it for a week to see the pattern. But if you do it for a length of time and then see the same patterns coming up, you'll have that awareness. So what they'll do is they'll write down, you know, 10 a.m., I was sitting at my desk and I really fancied some chocolate or I really fancied some biscuits. Um, Why? Because I was bored. So they'll write the emotion down. And then they might see that again the next day, or they might see 8 p.m. I really wanted, and, and, and the evening is, a, is a, a time when people do tend to emotionally eat. They might do really well all day, and then they overeat in the evenings. So you, you do this tracker for a few, few days until you start to see a pattern, and then you're like, ah, okay, it's boredom driving it, or it's when I see that particular relative or friend that I tend to find it, or it's when I'm angry. Um, and then when you know what it is, you can create a plan for what you're going to do instead. So, you know, when I feel angry, instead of going and eating some um, pretzels or some crisps or something like that, I will go and do some jumping jacks or I'll go for a walk, I'll get outside or I'll phone a friend or whatever. So it's if you can, it's kind of being prepared for it. So creating a plan um, for... For, for, for what's going on with the emotional eating. Mm, and such good advice. Thank you. And do you have, before we close, a little bit more specific advice how to tackle these two months? You have all of November in front of us coming and some of December coming. How do we tackle them so we don't end up emotionally eating? Well, I think it's summarizing what I've said. So giving yourself permission to have a nice time because actually that's really important because you're connecting with people actually but we don't want to have such an amazing time that we demolished a buffet or we drink too much and then we put on the weight and then we start the new year feeling lousy and you know like everybody else going on a diet again so I think it's it's having that balance giving yourself permission to eat what you want paying attention to those um those signals that are going on in your body and just having awareness as to what's going what's going on but knowing that actually you going out with your friends for a nice christmas dinner or seeing your family because it's a special event is really important as well but caring enough about yourself that you don't eat so much that you overdo it yeah i think that the caring is the most important thing because sometimes we don't think we deserve it or What I heard from some people that I interviewed is that there's a point where you've reached so much weight, you are past any <laughs> possibility of ever being skinny in your mind, and you think there's no way I can possibly endure a strict diet. And yet, they know because now their hips are painful, the back is painful, standing up is painful, they can't sit in an airplane. So there are pains. 
but they are still thinking they don't deserve it because they look in the mirror and they say, well, look at me, my wife is not going to like me anymore. So it's a bit of a vicious circle. So I think that's a very important topic. And the message is to say, well, if you start now and slowly, slowly change a few habits here and there, you will see that you become lighter and the inflammation goes, your arthritis goes, a lot of things go. And what I would like to do is to invite you officially live so you can't say no to come back in January. Okay. <laughs> come back in January when... A few people would have fallen off the wagon <laughs> and they need some picking up because I know because when I go to the gym and you go in January, the gym is full. Everyone is there trying to lose weight. Then in February, like back to the same 15 cats and dogs. Why? Because stamina. We need this stamina. Franz, I would absolutely love to do that. And I think you've hit, it, hit the nail on the head in that it's better to make those little micro changes every day doing something that's moving you towards um, towards that goal of shedding the weight and knowing that if you fall off the wagon just get back on it because we're so tempted it's like you drop your phone and you your screen cracks and it's the equivalent of picking it up and smashing it at the wall because you've got that little crack you know you can get back on the wagon um, you can get back on it and just keep doing what you're doing, just making those little micros, just moving the needle every day in the direction of your goal. Because consistency is key and it's, um, yeah, just taking those little steps every yeah. day. Move the needle, no pun intended here. Needle. <laughs> I love that. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Annabelle. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you, to learn so much. And I hope to see you back in January. After the 15th, I will be around. So we're going to schedule straight away to do the next recording. So we're done with this, guys. You, you know, we're going to take care of you. So thank you, everyone. And I hope that this episode was good and fun for you. And that you might want to share it and like it and talk about it with your friends. And, you know, if you write even a review for the podcast, it will be amazing. And you can actually find Annabella Zidar.com, yeah, on your website. Yeah. Because you might want to start working with us with hypnosis, NLP, with coaching and just talking about the issue for a little while and then going to trance or not even going to trance, have a meditation, just relax or just going to coaching. They're all different and there will be a root cause there. And once you remove that, it's a lot easier, isn't it? Things are a lot easier. Oh my goodness. So thank you again, everyone, and I'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, friends. Bye. You've listened to Create with Franz Sidney.